Go ahead and let's open our Bibles to Psalm 119. We're going to be in verses 17 through 24 this morning. Psalm 119, starting at verse 17. We are talking about Psalm 119 as a church this summer, at least a portion of it, understanding what it is to delight in the Word of God. And so this morning as we look at these verses, I pray, uh, Lord, I pray, please help us to delight in You. Please help us, Holy Spirit. Lord, I know these are insufficient words on paper, but Lord, You have given us everlasting words, Lord, for us to to have and to hold. And I pray You would do a work in us as a people this morning. We pray these things in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 119, starting at verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law I am a sojourner on the earth hide not your commandments from me my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times you rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from your commandments, take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. This is the Word of God. A few months ago, my wife and I tore our house apart. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of you are weird like us in this way. We wanted to show our children our wedding video. Uh, and if you are like me, you have no idea where that thing is. Uh, you know about it. You know it exists. But who knows where it actually is. And so as the piles of things that we pulled out, assuming where it was, came onto the floor, and we searched and searched. We found many, many, many things. We found lots of relics, old, photo, old, old pictures, notebooks, photo, photo albums, uh, students, you can ask your parents what those are. Uh, and at the bottom of one particular box, we did find this very special journal. Uh, this was not a normal journal. It was special. And all the years I had actually had it, I never realized that I owned this. This was my mother's journal. And I found that for nearly every day in 1982, she wrote a small paragraph, just a handful of sentences about her day through that year. Now this is pretty cool to be able to see this, but it's particularly special for me because I grew up not knowing her at all. Uh, she passed away when I was very young, so I had no idea what that could have possibly been like. And so to actually be able to read this was very special. Now, don't get me wrong, I had plenty of people in my life who told me many stories, and there are many photographs, but this offered something that was unique. 
You see, in my mother's own voice, I would hear about her life for the first time ever in my own. And so for what was probably an hour or two, but felt like just a few moments to me, I read every word my mother wrote in that little book, and I was fascinated. Overwhelmed, even, at times. So many things that I never had access to were suddenly under my own eyes. Stories that I had heard from others, I got to hear in her own unique way. And what fascinated me more than anything, probably still to this day more than anything I read there, was being able to see and learn things about her that I could actually only learn from her. Things about who she was and what she was like. Things that she laughed at, things that made her upset. And what struck me the hardest, even still does now, is wondering if she ever could possibly know or imagine that 40 years after writing this, her son would be reading it. Not just her son, but her granddaughter, who we hear is a spitting image of her, would be reading it. Whatever her intentions, this little book not only taught me what a 23-year-old version of my mother was like, but I just couldn't help but be filled with more love and amazement who she was. Now, you may have a similar story to this, or, or something like it, but I wonder, as I considered this passage this week, I wonder how many of us go about with our lives not realizing what we have access to in the Word of God. We have access to so much. Do our Bibles sit unopened because we settle with only ever hearing about Jesus from others and never wading through the passages ourselves? You see, unlike my mother's journal, we have much more than a diary. A diary written for us. We have the Word of God. We have a text that over millennia was not only written, but was experienced and compiled and carried and delivered and copied and shared and preserved and translated and distributed. All of this was done for one magisterial purpose so that we can know the one and the only true God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So we can know the one who has orchestrated all creation and held it together by His power. The one who not only revealed Himself in the Word, but timed and strategically placed every step it took to place a Bible in our language and in our hands this morning. Who provided us with all the means it required to read it with our own eyes and to hear it with our own ears. Who has put it together and provided it to, to us in a way that is clear and can be understood using people like you and like me to speak in terms that we can understand and relate to, that we can feel ourselves and have felt before through means that our souls can actually relate to and understand. All so that we can know and trust in the One who has been changing hearts throughout all of history. This is what we have. This is what is available to us. And in case it hasn't been made clear, let me do so now. We, as the people of God, have access to so much more than we ever take hold of. So much more. God's Word is provided to us 
so that we can know Him and be with Him. And when we look at our passage this morning, I hope that in some way we can see what it is and what it looks like to access God through His Word. So when we engage our text, and then any time we read the Bible, any time we must read understanding these things. This first, the first thing I would hope that we would understand, uh, these are not your main points, but we have, to, we have to take these things with us if we were to look and to know rightly, which is the Bible is about the triune God. The Bible is about God. That is, it talks about many things, but what it is about is one thing, and that is God Himself. Secondly, the Bible is provided to us by the triune God. Though there are many authors who have, have many, many uh, uh, contributions to this, and He has worked through many people to compile it for our good, God Himself is its single author and has directed its composition and delivered it to us, His people. And thirdly, the Bible serves the triune God first and foremost, no matter our purposes in going to the Bible. Whether it is to justify our purposes or to support our argument or to be the reason we stand our policies or our politics or anything, all of those things, all of those things fall short in understanding that the primary thing that is served by the Bible, by the Word of God, is God's purposes alone. He will glorify Himself by revealing His majesty and wonder to worshipers like you and to me through His Word. He will use His Word to conform us to the image of the Son. These and many other things will be accomplished without fail by His Word. So all the things that we think we can use it for, they, they may seem appropriate, but this and this alone will first be done and accomplished by the Lord through His Word. And because of these, all of these three things, we can be put on notice to be aware, to be certain and expectant that reading His Word, hearing His Word will do much, much, far more beyond all we can think or imagine, much more so than just simply checking off our devotional to-do list for the day. We are hearing from the Lord something about the Lord intended for the glory of the Lord when we read our Bibles. It is far more than just a thing. And just to fall in line with our theme, in it, we truly find delight. We truly find delight. So our first point today is understanding or finding delight in God in the Word. For many of us, the first issue to accept is, to, is that to delight in God's Word first requires that we delight in God Himself. That is, if you or I are reading our Bibles for any other thing other, other than to know God, to experience Him, to be swallowed up in Him, then we are not going to have the same thing in mind that the psalmist does here. We can create a hundred good reasons to read our Bibles, but all of them must be led by a simple need to intimately know and be involved with God Himself. If you are chasing something else in the Bible, we can know that not only will you not find what you're looking for, but the Word of God will demonstrate the insufficiency of what you're trying to find. 
Thus, you're not only going to end up you're not only going to end up disappointed, but you're going to be forced to reconcile that only God Himself can fill what it is you think you're going to find. It is only Him, and so His purposes will work in your using and reading of the Bible and knowing who God is and what He is like will be what takes hold of your hearts at the end of the day in Scripture. It will be His character, His attributes that carry us through all that come as a result of our reading in life. We can see this in our text this morning. The psalmist is not simply running through, it feels that way when we just read this block, but he's not simply reciting a laundry list of things that need to be taken care of. He's listing off systematically even, he's listing off what he knows to be true. What he knows to be certain of God because of His Word. In verse 17 it reads, uh, it reads, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your Word. The author is looking and speaking to the Lord and recognizing His position before Him as Master. He is Master and I am the servant. And you and whatever you do is right, Lord, but deal with me in a way that that I, I will know however you deal with me will be right. Folks, that is called sovereignty. That is a demonstration of sovereignty in God and knowing that He reigns over all things and He is in control of all things. But what makes sovereignty so sweet? When you, like the psalmist, can look at Him and say, you're not only in control, but you are good. You are good. So nothing you do will ever lead to evil purposes. It will always be for good. In verse 18, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. God is being demonstrated as an all-powerful, all-powerful, uh, in control, uh, and, and has absolute uh, uh, control and sovereignty over His creation. He directs His, his creation. These wondrous works that are spoken about, these wondrous things are a flash in the mind of the ancient reader to think about God rescuing His people in the wilderness. Imagine, as you read your Bible and you recall in your life, in the middle of your life, when things are rough, people with their backs to the Red Sea and armies closing in. And you call out to the Lord, open my eyes and help me to see even in this, even in this, your wondrous deeds. Rescue me and show me your power and your might over all. He is showing us that God is all-powerful and directs His creation. In verse 19, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. The author is leaning on the fact that God is always everywhere. He is always everywhere. He is not, there is never a place He is not. He is never a sojourner. But instead, He knows every square inch like the back of His hand. And though we at times feel in the middle of a foreign land, He knows it well. And He does not abandon us. God is always everywhere and never a sojourner. In verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. The psalmist is reminded 
of the goodness of God to the point that he realizes he can never, ever, ever be satisfied. He can never get enough of the Lord. And he goes on over and over in verse 21. He speaks and he tells of God's justice and His righteousness. In 22, how God is the remover of reproach. How many of us need to cling to that. That God is the remover of reproach. How He then speaks of God as the comforter of those who are ostracized and spoken against inappropriately. And then lastly, in verse 24, how God is the source of all wisdom and counsel. Perhaps you're reading this passage and you wonder how these things are definitive statements and can be found in these eight verses. You may wonder, how can I count on this when I read these words, but they're not explicitly on the page? Which leads to our second point. You can know it is there by how the psalmist approaches God in the Word. You can know that the psalmist was working from a place of familiarity. He has spent time in the Word, and as a result, he comes to the Lord with Word-formed, faith-built confidence and assumptions. I was fascinated. So many things that we have access to. I went to the wrong page. That's really weird. <laughs> it happens, folks. We, we know that he has confidence because as he's interacting with what he knows and has read and, and, and come in contact in his life, but also in the Word, he speaks from a place of familiarity. You see, he has seen how God speaks and calls all things into existence and how He holds the life of man in His hands. He has seen how God alone can break through the hearts of men so they can understand His ways. He has seen how God has guided His people, carrying them through the wilderness and the land, not their own. He has observed in the Scriptures how those who oppose this law do not go unnoticed by the Lord. He has watched as those who fail repeatedly are forgiven and reconciled time and time again. And He has seen the comfort of the Lord delivered, delivering His people when they are at odds. And those, those people that would harm them are against them. All of these and many more are not called out in our passage, but they are absolutely built on them. And to be able to read and to see this, it's going to help us because we have to remember that a desire, a delight in the Word first comes from knowing and delighting in God Himself. Our author, he approaches God and he makes his request based on what he knows to be true. And brothers and sisters, you can do that too. That's right. The psalmist is caught up in the cyclone of what it is to know God personally. And as he comes in contact with who God is, who God has revealed Himself to be in His Word, He is able to install posts in His heart. Places that when the winds of life rip and roar, that He can tie Himself off to and not be carried away by the winds. He fixes Himself to those attributes, to those things that are true of the triune God, and knowing who He is reminds Him of what is available to Him as a result. Brothers and sisters, we have much available to us in His Word. All of these things which He knows even more, He becomes convinced that they are accessible because God has provided His Word. So again and again, He goes back. And as His affection and amazement grows, 
he is drawn even more and more to the well to see the Lord again and again and again. He knows all the ways that God helps him through his word. He sees in the first verses, we see that he is directed in the way of righteousness. In 19 and 20, we see he has provided all that he, he needs in different circumstances. In verse 22 through 21, we see that he is given a measure so that he can know between right and wrong. In verse 23, we see that he is, comfort, he is comforted and in, uh, in all affliction and uncertainty. And put in other terms for us, the requests of the psalmist are not unfounded. They are faith-filled certainties informed by who God is. And probably an often neglected detail that I, I think we see here is this desire or this constant or always wanting more. Always wanting more. The psalmist is not satisfied, satisfied with what he knows to be true of God. It's not that it's not enough. He's confident in who God is. He knows, but, but he knows that more must be had. He does not have enough. That is, even, uh, even the premise of his request is rooted in his desire to always have access to more of God. So he comes to him and says, I know this to be true of you, Lord, but please, when the time comes, don't take away my access to knowing those things to be true. Give me more. I need more. Though I have received much, I need more. And it's, it, it reminds me, it's, it's kind of like uh, if you've ever, like once in your lifetime, maybe, you come across, you're in that store that you visit randomly, you know, maybe it's Guitar Center, Jonathan, uh, or I, I don't know, there's probably a better one. And like the stuff that you really, really like is piled up a mile high and you realize they're practically giving it away. There's so much there, and you have access to it, and the more you grab, the more you realize is there, and you literally do not have the ability to take all that there is, but you can have it. Our psalmist sees the Word this way. He sees it as ever-flowing. There is no bottom to this well, and as often as he returns, he realizes, I have to come back. I literally cannot consume anymore, but I must return because there is more to be had. And this brothers and sisters, this is the thing that happens, the miracle that happens when we go to the Word. It draws us in a way that our affections explode and that we see the Lord and we realize that there's so much to be had there. We have access to so much and those affections drive us again and again and again to where we realize we are never satiated. Never. And He's always there. Always there. And there was more and more and more to be had. Brothers and sisters, many of us here, uh, no question, are well-read, well-educated, and even more have been blessed with good teaching. I, I will attest to the fact that this church is very well taught. I wonder though if we do not make the mistake of assuming we have received all there, there is to have in our Bibles. As if our maturity has maybe outgrown what sits on the pages that we teach our children and got grandchildren from. The psalmist here is not this way, but models for us an understanding that is launched because of what is known, what has been found in the pages. He has discovered delight, he has found it, and it's bottomless. There's no end to it. 
It is because of what we've been taught that we realize we are in danger of being too easily satisfied. That we have access to so much more than we already have taken hold of. That we too have access to delight, true joy, and knowing God and meeting Him in His Word. In His Word. And so, as we consider what we have in the Word of God provided by God, I appeal to you that we can follow a simple model that the psalmist gives us to test the depths of our delight available in God found in His Word. We can do these three simple things. First, we can find delight in His Word by seeking to know who He is as revealed in His Word. That is, simply coming to His Word knowing what it is. That it is a provision for us to know Him as He is. As He wants to be known. Not bringing our own ideas, like importing the way that we act or that our parents act or people that we know act, but looking at who He is and how He is related to men and women throughout all of history and to know that He is the same today as He deals with you and you and your circumstances and me and mine. Number two, we can find delight in His Word by understanding that we need to know Him more than we already do. We need to. We can create a hundred good reasons to read our Bible. But all of them must be submissive and fall behind our need to know God Himself more. You do not know. I do not know God enough. We, not, we must know Him more. And we must seek Him more. And if you're chasing something else, in the, if you're chasing something else that's not going to go uh, in the right place. Again, my pages, sorry. Again, like an interesting version of this. When we speak of knowing Him, we don't think about talking uh, in an academic ascent what the Scripture will show us is true knowledge has more to do with intimacy than it does with memorization. Do we know Him as we should? Do we see Him and His ways as better than what we want or our own ways? We need to know Him more. And so seeking Him will show us this. And lastly, we can find delight in the Word by using what we know of Him to seek Him in all of our life, in every way. When we read the Word and we come into contact with God, we see all the ways that our life is measured and we come into, con- we, we, we come into contact with Him as a result of that. For how we think, how we talk, the choices we make, the freedoms we walk in, all of these are informed or measured by His Word. So to find delight in the Word is to see that it applies to everything. There is nothing in which it does not measure or help us to understand appropriately. There is no room it will not clean. No spill that it will not wipe up. Now, in all of these, in all of these, this is the fun part. Because the pinnacle, the main thing in all the Bible we talked about is what? Is God Himself. But all of these things are demonstrated in the presentation of the Word. How can this all be? After all, when you sit down to read, it feel, it can feel hopeless, right? You can, you can read your Bibles and you're easily distracted or you're too busy or there's all sorts of reasons that we give ourselves because the kids are too loud or you're too tired or whatever 
how can this be, right? How am I ever going to have hope in reading and understanding my Bible to know God and to experience Him if this is how He revealed Himself? And that is an understanding that the, the purest and true revelation of the Word is Jesus Christ Himself. The Bible is God's Word to us in grace and power that He has preserved it for us for us to know But the entirety of the Bible aims to show us one thing, that we need our eyes to be opened. As the psalmist says. And we need our reproach to be rolled away and taken from us. As the psalmist says. And the solution, the one thing that the Bible aims to do is to point us all as we see the character told about and talked about of God in all of Scripture we see in the Son incarnate, Jesus Christ, that the character of God is perfectly displayed. Each attribute carried and held by Him, not as a bag, but as who He is. And we see all of these things demonstrated in Jesus. All of this. And it's because of Him who God has revealed Himself in Jesus that we are able to read our Bibles and to see God. To have our eyes opened. In Him, we see God's perfect and constant character displayed despite the difficulties that are encountered. In Him, we are caught up in the demonstration of His ways. In Him, we feel His comforts as He carries us in our affliction. In Him, we are conformed to His image as He rebukes sin that we still hold on to. All of these and countless more we find ourselves caught up and carried to more and more in delight because the Son of God lived in righteousness. The righteousness spoken of in the Word. And He carried all our transgressions, all of our failures that the Word measures and shows are against the ways of God. And He carried them to Calvary. Making sure every single one was paid for. Purchasing all His people by His death. And He was raised up and brought His people with Him. And He now dwells in them in the Spirit. All this, just like the Word, so we, along with all of the redeemed, could sit at the feet of our Creator and find delight. God has revealed Himself to us so that we can see Jesus. It is through Him and His work that we're able to have our eyes opened as the psalmist begs for. And He does this through the Word. Both through the Scripture and through the Word of God, the Son, Jesus Christ. He has made us who struggle so much able when we trust in Him and what He has done. It is through Him that is in His work that we're able to have these eyes opened and our reproach rolled away. And knowing who He is, we can run with full confidence, the confidence displayed and flexed by the psalmist this morning, that we can run to God and know who He is and know He will not turn us away. We have access to so much more. Let's pray. God, I'm glad You have control over everything. Lord, even when it feels like the wheels are popping off at 80 miles an hour, Lord, you do not stay your hand. 
But Lord, I pray that we as a people would not become too easily satisfied with the way and the amount in which we know you, but that we would desire to know you more and that we would see that you have provided so much in your word, both in the scripture and in the Son. We need your help. So I pray, Lord, as you, knowing the needs of each individual in here, I pray that you would draw your people to yourself. I pray you would do a work in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.